This week on For Crying Out Loud, Craig Shoemaker. But uh, I just, I, I don't understand it. You know, mm-hmm. even to sum up my mom with the proud thing on what I do, you know, I've won awards. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've done yeah. really, really well from nothing. Right. I put myself through college. Wow. So I, I had to work my, every dime of my college was paid for by myself. You know, wow. I got my doctorate now. And every, she wouldn't show up for my doctorate. You know, oh, Craig, you know, we I get mean, it. We're proud of you. <laughs> but, no, but this, oh, thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. It come, You're a good person. Did that, did that need You're to come worthwhile. out? Did that need to come from someone I made out with once in <laughs> yeah, the 80s? Really. Who was drunk and didn't even, you didn't remember that. I mean, I was very I high on peanut butter. Check out an all-new episode of For Crying Out Loud this Monday. Or visit cryingoutloudshow.com. Only on the Ace Broadcasting Network. Hello, my little pineapple upside down cakes. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, just want to say a couple words. We are doing another live show. I'm very, 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 very excited. It's going to be August 9th. That's a Thursday at Nerd Melt, which is the Nerdist Theater at Meltdown Comics at 9 p.m. And the guest will be none other than Pete Holmes, very first guest ever on this podcast, so that'll be a really fun time. And there will also most likely be a musical guest. Uh, It may be Michael Rosas again, because everyone loved him and I love him, or it may be someone different. So uh, go out and get your tickets. And if you're wondering where to get those, you can go to my website, alisonrosen.com, and click through, and okay, I'll see you there. And also, we have an iTunes comment of the week. First, I'm going to tell you what the question is for next week. It's going to be, what is your favorite, or what do you think is the best decade for music? Is it the 90s? Is it the aughts? Do you even say the aughts? The 80s or the 70s or 60s? It really could be any decade of your choice, but um, but say why. And then also say some nice things about this show, won't you? And the question last week was, what is your favorite color? And uh, here we go. All right, so this week the comment comes from M. Park Ansky, so, uh, and it's titled Colors. Talking about favorite colors always reminds me of one night in high school when my best friend and I were chilling by a campfire, and we both agreed that the color of an ember at the bottom of a fire was definitely the awesomest color. So bright that it was almost neon, but could never be replicated in crayon form, paint form, or any form. So, campfire ember. I thought that was kind of beautiful. Gary, did you think it was kind of beautiful? You're wiping away a tear. Uh, Or an itch. You had an itch in your eye. No, it was a tear. You're very sensitive and stoic. Say thank you. This is me being stoic. Okay. Be less stoic. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, you guys. Here's the episode. The guest is Bald Brian Bishop. Hey, 
Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is one bald Bayan Bishop. <laughs> You're mostly right. <laughs> you know, you know what? I felt it happening wrong and I just went with it. I committed to saying it wrong. It's bald Brian Bishop. I'm not one to judge uh, slurred speech. So that sounded great to me. Has, has, your, has your hearing been affected as well? No. I just uh, don't feel like I'm in a position to judge. I don't think you are either. Anyone who mumbles over a syllable or two. Thank you very and I just much. Said syllable or two correctly. I know. <laughs> so I'm thrilled. That's good. I feel like I should quit while I'm ahead. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you were a great guest, Brian. Thanks a lot. Anything yeah. you want to plug? No, I'm good. Thanks, Gary. And Gary's here as well. Could you turn the clock on when you have a chance, so that I know just how long this wonderful repartee has lasted? Feels like forever. It, in eternity, right? <laughs> Already. Anyway, broad by ambition mm-hmm. <laughs> is my coworker. Around. That's right. Is my coworker on the Adam Carolla show, which perhaps you know him from there. He does sound effects. He's Adam's sidekick. He worked with Adam on the radio show. He has a brain tumor. He's working on a book. All sorts of things we can talk about. All those things are correct. I know. This is what this side of the room looks like. I've never been on this side. Yeah, of the we room. are in, currently in the studio where we do the Adam Carolla show, but Brian. Oh, I got it right that time. Yeah. I'm not even drunk. Yet. Exactly. The day's young. Uh, is sitting on a different side of the horseshoe or L-shaped mm-hmm. console Crescent that we normally... Shaped. You think? Well, I, It's uh, more like a boomerang. It's not a uh, perfect crescent. It's more like a malformed crescent roll. It's like a melting clock from a Dali painting. <laughs> that's exactly. Just to like. use a reference that everyone would go totally to. Totally get it. Right exactly. Away, yeah. So, Brian. It's a heady audience. There's something that I want to ask you. What's up? Um, I want to tell you that the other night I noticed on Twitter, you tweeted that you, I don't know if it was that you couldn't sleep or that you had spent all this time uh, looking up your old Channel One coworkers <laughs> to see who had the most Twitter followers. Yes, I'm very shallow. And then you said that you do. Mm-hmm. And then you said, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And then I tweeted to you. But if they had more followers than you did, would you still tweet this? And then you said, ha-ha, you know me too well. But what struck me about that is I don't normally think of you as someone who is um, sort of given over to these kind of petty competitive things. Right. So I'm it really was surprising. Not. I'm really not. It was more a combination of really legitimately not being able to sleep. It was like one in the morning, mm-hmm. maybe even later. Uh, it was that. It was – it would have been funnier. I would absolutely have posted if it would have been funnier if someone, you know, one of my former uh, coworkers, one of the anchors from back in the channel one days had a significant, you know, or just barely more than me because it would have been funnier to be like angry at that person. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of creating this. I would have liked to have created this scenario where I was furious at somebody for, you know, daring to have more followers than me. But as it was, it would have been just kind of weird humble bragging to be like oh, I have the most followers all my former co-workers when I wasn't trying to say that I was trying to say, to say what kind of petty person even looks this stuff up well, I'm I, sure there are petty the, people a person like me yeah I'm sure there are petty people <laughs> out there who look it up and it's probably a far, uh, it's probably what Twitter does to our personalities which is in a way it does bring out some of the worst parts of our personalities yes because you can quantify things like popularity or, or it gives you a false sense yes, of being able to quantify that because it's given over to what types of people you appeal to. Like, for example, one of one of the – and by the way, when I was at Channel 1, I was not an anchor. I was a writer. And some of the anchors – Channel 1, by the way, for everyone, is the in-school news network. So like a CNN for teens um, with Doritos commercials. And uh, one of the anchors was uh, Seth Doan. And Seth Doan is a CNN correspondent, possibly CBS News. 
maybe both. But anyhow, he does like real news. He doesn't have a ton of Twitter followers because it's not who he appeals to. But he's a legitimate news guy. Not I if he a, doesn't have a lot of Twitter followers. Exactly. I have significantly more Twitter followers than him, so, which if I didn't think about it, I'd be like, wow, I'm way more popular than Seth Dunn. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it's funny. It's even funnier that we talk about it that I have – uh, not just a few, but a significant number more Twitter followers than this actual legitimate, you know, news anchor for real news, not just you know some what's trending show. He's like a real news guy, but uh, it's funny and amusing Ooh, to me. Shows are burn. Well, actually, it's funny because one of the the hosts of the Yahoo show, what's the trending now or what's trending? There's mm-hmm. what's trending, and I think that's Cheryl Lazar, right? Yeah. And there's trending now, which is a Yahoo show hosted by Melissa Knowles, who also was a Channel One anchor back in the day. In my it's days, quite a launching pad. Both, by the way, got big stories wrong within a few months of each other. Like they're like, I think the Yahoo one, they, it was some false picture that was circulating on the internet and they, they went on some news story about it. But they came back a day later, like, oh, we got fooled, um, which led to the whole discussion on the show of, on the Adam Corolla show of uh, uh, the race to, to be the first in news. Damn the, right. damn the fact. We got to be first to break this story. But anyhow, um, yeah, so. It was amusing to me that I was even looking the stuff up, and I'm like, oh, this is this is not what I should be doing with my life. Yeah, I mean, are you competitive? Do you measure yourself against other people? A little bit. I think in as much as anybody is, maybe actually less than some people, but you know what I am? Um, not even so much competitive. I, I am driven in my life, in my professional life especially, I, I, keep, I, keep a, uh, I keep a chip on my shoulder intentionally. Some, not a huge one, I mean, but for example, Jerry Rice. You, you're not a big sports person, but you know who Jerry Rice is? He was, oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I'm not, and no, I don't. Okay, Jerry Rice is a very, very famous football player, and he's a really one of that the all-time. That extra very was just to rub it in, wasn't but, it? You know, he's one of the all-time greats, but I'm trying to make a point. He's one of the all-time greats, undisputed one of the all-time greats. Gary, yes? Thumbs up? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. And in his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, he said um, people talked all the time about don't play scared. Never play scared. Mm -hmm. Don't go out there with any fear. And Jerry Rice, one of the best, arguably the best player ever to play football, said, I went out there scared all the time. I was scared that I was going to drop the ball. I was scared that I wasn't going to play my best. I was scared. And that scaredness, that frightenedness, drove me to work harder in the practice field and make myself a better player. I don't, I'm not scared, but that's what I, that's how I feel about. I love that. We should get him on the show. But it's keeping. That's how I feel about keeping a healthy chip on my shoulder, which is, yeah, it's not good to walk around with a chip on your shoulder because you're an asshole and you're like, you know, oh, you're not, you know, well, you don't respect me. But a little bit of that it's, is healthy. It creates drive. Whatever drives you, whether it's fear. Or ambition or greed. Mm-hmm. Well, greed, maybe not. But whatever drives you, if it's a healthy you know, drive, then that's one of the things that uh, drives me is I have these uh, perceived um, – Slights? Yes, yeah, slights or disrespect from certain you know, uh, people in my past who probably don't even remember me. But to me, it's like I want to get to a certain place and accomplish certain things to prove that I can do these things. And I'll show him when, in fact, I'm sure him, whoever him is – has no recollection of, of me or her interactions. You actually are petty. Yeah, in a way, but I, I like to think that I use my pettiness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I kind of am. No, but it's, it's an interesting question. Is anyone driven by good, pure motives? Yeah. And by that, I don't mean by altruism as much as, as like... I'm going to be all I can be so I can prove to myself I'm the best. Yes, I don't think a lot of people I, have that. No, I feel like you ha- it has to be something that you're trying to push away or something you're trying to prove that propels you to these great heights. And especially in something like entertainment, which, which I, 
I feel like a perfectly well-adjusted, normal, healthy person, entertainment is not the direction they would go. Would you agree? Yes. On average, absolutely. What do you think drove you to it? Boy, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, Well, how did you end up doing what you're doing? I, I, I grew up um, in my formative years in high school really enjoying talk radio. Um, it appealed to me just not seeking out like AM, you know, political talk, but like Howard Stern in the morning and Loveline at night. And I listened to those almost all the time uh, driving to high school and on my way to high school. And I got driven uh, as a younger person and um, really fell in love with just the spoken word, I guess, and uh, ended up, you know, coming into to talk radio sort of through the back door. Um, but now here, here you we are. You're a phone screener, right? Yes, at I started off as a phone screener at K-Rock. That's absolutely right. I was stationary in Los Angeles. When you did that, was that with ambitions of becoming an on-air talent? Or did you love phones? Well, I, oh, yeah, that's not what I mean. But, but I came to Ace Broadcasting not wanting to be – I have no aspirations of – That's good. We have a segment coming up later that I'm going to bring that up in. Is it just me or everyone? Does everyone feel like that? Pretty much. Okay. Um, maybe maybe delusions of uh, of on air, uh, but at the time it was you know I was 22 and K Rock was the biggest station in the country, arguably um, certainly one of the most influential, and uh, had had no delusions of, of you know j- jumping from the call screener to behind the mic. I mean, had everything gone, you know. There's always that magic, you know, that one person who gets that sh- chance to shine on mic and they're, you know, they're, they're a wonder kind and they're uh, uh, an on-air talent at age 22 or whatever it is. But I didn't really see that going for you that way. I was like, well, I'll work super hard and uh, maybe I'll be a producer and maybe I'll, you know, be on air. But I always wanted to – always wanted to – for example, when I was screening calls for Loveline, um, I had the idea – uh, for me and Anderson, the love, the Elvine engineer at the time said, we should do a movie show. We should do a show about movies and we'll sit here after love line at midnight. We'll record and we'll record and we'll record basically practice like batting practice and we'll get good enough. We'll make a demo tape. We'll ship it out and hopefully we'll end up on some AM station somewhere. And this was before podcasting ever came around, but that was the ambition. That's what mm-hmm. I really wanted to do because to be on AM radio, talk about movies was the height of, uh, height of my ambition at that point. And did you actually start doing so? So you host the Film Vault, which yes. is a, pop, a popular podcast that people can get on iTunes. They certainly or can. Filmvault.com? No, it's andersonandbrian.com. Oh, andersonandbrian.com. Okay, then. Did you start, when did you start Film Vault? We started uh, uh, literally recording um, ourselves for a demo uh, after Loveline, like midnight, you know, after Loveline in Loveline Studios, 2002, maybe, 2003, somewhere around there. I yeah. love the idea of a demo. You had to have one back then. There was no – you couldn't just start doing a podcast. You and had did to, you actually send it out? We, ha- we, we gave Drew a cassette tape to listen to <laughs> to get his opinion. We got, I got a – Kat Corbett as a DJ on K- K-Rock, and she was just sort of a fill-in DJ back then, like a weekend DJ. And uh, very cool to me uh, when I was working there. Very nice. And uh, gave her a copy of the CD and got her feedback. She basically got feedback from friends. I never actually sent it out to any station managers or anything. Um, yeah, so basically if it's friends, pass it around. What did Drew say about it? Did he listen? You'd have to ask Anderson. I remember he talked to him more back then than I uh, did. Okay. Yeah, what did you think of Adam and Drew back in, in those days? I was more overwhelmed, like, just because I was a fan of the show from high school, and here I was out of college for a year or two, and I was like, wow, these guys, I get to, I get to work with them, and here they are and all that stuff. And uh, for the most part, I always tell them, I'm sure you say a similar thing to people who ask you, what's Adam like off the air? You know, what's Adam, what are Adam and Drew like off the air? They're basically the same people they are off the air as they are on. Adam, you know, is plus 20% on the air because he's performing and he has to sort of, you know, 
do a performance. He's he's on the air. He's uh, doing a show. But he's 80% the same person as he is out Yeah. I've seen him do that show out in the lobby yes. of this warehouse. Yeah. If he gets yeah, he gets a little bit of ramp, a little bit of runway, he'll he'll take off. Exactly. And then Drew is just dreamy. <laughs> he's a, he's a good all kinds fella. of dreamy. He's an intense and guy. And so compassionate. I, had, I don't know. If, I think it was my wife. I, I, a couple of my girlfriends met Drew. But I think when my, my wife met How him. How many people made, do you date? At once? Mm-hmm. The only one. But uh, uh, I think it was my wife when she met Drew was a big fan, much like you are. Found him very dreamy. And uh, when Drew meets you, it's a big, strong handshake. Oh, yeah, it is. He looks you right in the <laughs> yes, eyes. he does. He looks through your eyes into your soul. Oh. He's like, hi, Drew Pinsky. Nice to meet you. And you're yeah. like, ah, uh, you're reading my mind. You're looking through into my thoughts. Right. And you are seeing what I'm thinking. I know. I just began confessing things. <laughs> right. Things you hadn't done. You're like, you want to exactly. make it sound good. Right. Um, yes. In fact... I think about that sometimes. I think about the fact that when you meet someone and when they give you eye contact, it really does make you feel special. Like yeah. there's this girl I know um, in Orange County where I grew up, and she is – I remember reading the term for this in Sassy Magazine a million years ago, which is the sound that only a dog can hear <clears throat> okay. to describe a woman that other women don't find attractive but all the men like her. Oh, okay. There's always the, the Jennifer Love Hewitts of the world. Uh, I always thought thought that she was uh, sports guy Bill Simmons uses him in his col- her in his column as the example of girl that every guy likes that other girls hate. But maybe mm-hmm. that's wrong. I thought that was no. It's not necessarily no 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 not a girl that other girls hate. Okay. One where you just think I don't see why oh. men just flocked. I don't. I just don't see it. Like she doesn't strike me as traditionally beautiful. Or but it's like obviously this kind of. Of woman makes men feel a certain thing. Sure, sure. So I was looking at one of these sounds that only dogs can hear. (laughs) And is it a famous example or just some girl? No, just someone that I know. Um, And I was noticing that she gives very intent eye contact. Yeah. And she does make, I think that when you meet her, I mean, she's pretty, but she's just, it's just not on the level of, oh, that's why every single guy, like, it's the kind of thing where every single guy who meets her walks away thinking, I kind of like her. And maybe I have a shot with her because she made me feel special. Whereas I, when I'm a little bit uncomfortable, I'm – and I meet someone, I I give kind of like – I probably – I come off as shifty. Like I give eye contact and then I look away and then I'm thinking of everything. And I'm thinking specifically though when I meet people before a show and what I'm thinking is what do I need to do before the show? It's interesting. I think people – you hit on something. I think people, women especially, but people need to – be aware of the vibe they give off. Mm-hmm. Like my uh, my wife, uh, I told her years ago, and she, I don't think she even realized it. I'm like, you sometimes give off, and I mean, you don't you don't think you're doing this. You don't know you're doing it. But you give off a vibe of being annoyed sometimes, of being annoyed with people very easily. I don't think you are, but that's that that's you have that look on your face sometimes, and, I, and you just need to know that you're giving off that vibe. How did she take that? I put, I phrased it fairly constructively. I wasn't trying to insult her. I was because I think she'd just come off of an argument with someone or oh. some weird encounter or something. And I'm like, you know, you sometimes, you know what it is? I, I didn't say it. No, I said put out. You sometimes seem like you're, like you're fed up with someone, you know, when maybe you aren't, but just, that's just the vibe you go off. Mm-hmm. Well, I've mentioned before that a friend of mine once said to me that, um, I am very easily irritated. Yeah. I don't mean, yeah, but I mean, yes, you are. I mean, yeah, as in like, yeah, I can see that uh, in a lot of people. They come off as... But my problem with that was 
how do you refute it without proving it? I was like, this is a trap. <laughs> it's like when this someone is so says, unfair. It's like when someone says you couldn't talk your way out of a mental institution. It's like, it would be hard to do yeah, that. Like, exactly. I'm not insane. Everyone would say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually don't quite know how I come off. In general, and by the way, if you're listening, you don't need to let me know if you don't actually know me. <laughs> Make that your iTunes comment next week. No, please. How does Allison come off? No. They need to focus on... Uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> that's for next week? No, that's for like last I heard that week. Already, yeah. That's for last week, yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, in general, I don't, I feel like there's this kind of blind spot in my sense of, of, of how I look, how I sound, how I come across. I don't know. Do you feel like you have a good sense of those things? I think I do. But I remember we talked with the time we hosted the show right. with Todd Glass. We did that whole elaborate thing I did where, where I went over these, survey results that my friends had taken. If you hadn't heard that episode, I'll briefly recap. My friends, I asked my closest friends anonymously to please take a survey where they would pick out from a list of like 50 words or something, uh, negative words that described me. Um, not because I'm a glutton for punishment, although I feel like I put up with um, a fair amount at this job. Yeah, that's right. But I feel like I've, I have fairly thick skin. And that's from growing up. Uh, I was I was bullied a little bit when I was younger, but it's also just the family that a big family with a lot of cousins and a younger brother went to an all guys high school. Was, was on the, the football team uh, for a while and and was around a lot of athletes. And then was in a fraternity. So I feel like I have a fairly thick skin. I put up a lot of uh, BSing. So insults, quote unquote, don't really hurt me that much. Um, but this wasn't to be insulted. It was, I want you to tell me the negative qualities about myself that you perceive so that I can know how people think about me and I can address them. And if there's something I can change, I absolutely will. And they picked out, I think it was, I think we talked about it, it was smug, self-satisfied, um, withdrawn, and something about withdrawn. Distant, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as much, arrogant. Was that I, I don't think that, I, I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> I just remembered that. It's I, in that there was, with smug okay. and self-satisfied. Arrogant may have been one that got a few less votes. But the point is, in as much as I'm at least very aware now, and I, I do my best not to act smug. I know what you're thinking. I'm very smug. But I do my best not to act smug, at least outwardly. And I, I try. I, I feel like I do an awful little amount of bragging, and uh, I'm not braggadocious. And with the whole withdrawn thing, um, I'm just not super – it's going to sound ironic coming from a guy who talks freely about his brain tumor on, on the show, but I'm not super forthcoming with, you know, a lot of just personal stuff. I mean, people ask, I'll tell them, but it's not, I always find it weird. I never want to be that guy in a lot of scenarios. And one scenario I don't want to be that guy is the guy who overshares personal stuff without being asked, without being solicited. Like, Oh, I'm feeling like this or, Oh, you know, me and the wife are fighting or, Oh, my parents are giving me hard, you know, whatever it is. None of those, none of those things are true mind you. But, uh, I don't feel like the guy who, who, who should share. I don't think anybody should be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who overshares without being asked. If people ask, I'll tell them. I think I am that guy. Well, in this show, certainly. Yeah, but that's what this show is for. I never found you to be like that in, you know, personal interactions. Yeah, you know, I I wonder sometimes when I do feel like I am being that person, if it's to over, if it's to to uh, overcompensate for being concerned that people might think that I'm distant or withdrawn. Oh, interesting. Because that's how you preemptively get get away from being what I was. Because I can actually be shy. Some people don't realize that about me. Um, because I am very loud in certain circumstances, right. but I, I tend in social situations, I do tend to start out shy. Interesting. Do you? No. Uh, well, my wife often 
um, criticizes me for not talking enough in social situations. Like, like you need to talk more. You need to be able to ask more questions or whatever. Number one. People can't like you yeah. if they don't know you. <laughs> my per- I disagree. My personality, <laughs> based on growing up listening to Howard Stern and Loveline and talk radio, I love to listen. I love to listen and learn. I love to learn about what people are saying or thinking or whatever. And I also don't want to be, again, that guy mm-hmm. who's dominating the conversation, especially because I have a very, very, very small measure of celebrity and, and, and that goes a long way in most social circles whereas like oh that guy's on the radio or that guy's on a podcast or whatever and i don't want to be the guy who's like you know just too loud and too much and too i'd, I'd rather be the guy that picks his spots much like hopefully i am on the show you know what surprises me about a lot of radio personalities mm. um and i don't put adam in this category but i've noticed from being on the adam carolla show different radio personalities we'll have in the studio they are so loud and big personalities, and they just take up so much space and so much energy out of the studio. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 Gary and I have talked about this. There were a couple guys um, who were going to be on the show, and I came in, and there's a table where I normally do would prepare my news. And they are these podcasters or are they radio personalities? They are satellite radio personalities. Okay. And they had taken over that room and had s- no awareness of anyone coming in who might possibly have any claim to the space. And I was saying that they had figuratively and literally taken up all of the space. And I don't know if it's I I don't know if it's because I'm female or just because I'm not uh, someone they knew, or I don't know what it was, but like I couldn't have been more invisible to them. It's a little bit of both and all of that and some more things, but I think it's a combination. Of, and by the way, you're right on two counts. Uh, number one, Adam is not like that. He's no, very much. No, he's, he's shy almost, or just he can be withdrawn, mm. uh, or he can be, you know, life of the party too. But for the most part, if you are meeting him for the first time, you'll be surprised at how quiet he yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's the thing of water finding its own level for the most part with people who are bombastic, I think, find their way to radio. Yeah. I think uh, radio, at least personalities. Right. Then there's there are – well, what I was going to say is then there are those of us who turn it on mm. for the microphone. I don't know if I – I wouldn't put Adam in that category though. It's just more like I think he gives himself permission to speak when he's at his own show more than he does off the mic. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if I would call it turning it on either, but – Definitely knows when the mics are hot. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, I guess it's just being a professional and being a performer is you just know when it's time to start. Like I said, you have a little bit of runway and you start to take off. Right. I but I feel like of the radio personalities I know off the mic, it's 60-40 bombastic versus super withdrawn. Like there's not a whole lot of in between. It's, it's the, some guys are off the mic and they're just like, you know, monosyllabic and then some guys off the mic are the same bombastic personalities the bombastic factor (laughs) the bombastic ones (laughs) he's a great guy are exhausting to be around see then that's another interesting (laughs) thing is that i because i'm always trying to overcome this internal shyness i have this sense that i should always in in social situations Mm -hmm. when i'm or when i'm meeting people i don't know i should always make myself talk more because if I don't, then they're going to start thinking negative things about me. However, I would rather be around the monosyllabic person. Uh, Interesting. Before a show, given the for choice, sure. given the choice. Between well, the two. I, when I'm in a work setting, I want that sweet spot. As long as we're talking about people who are behind the mic or on the camera or whatever, that sweet spot of 
a normal person who has normal conversations off the air. Um, I'm going to tie this all into a preemptive just me or everyone because it oh, only, only applies to you and me. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, and is it just me or is it you too? I feel like often I should be better friends or have more friends in the podcasting community given that this is, I'm trying to put this in a, we're on a, we're on a notable podcast. Yes, we are. <laughs> I mean, that's right now. Right now we are. We're I mean. talking on that. No, we're on a noble podcast. And yeah. I think we have some notoriety in the podcasting community. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not people know us personally, they probably know of us, or at least are aware that Adam has sidekicks. We're very famous, yes. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly what I meant, but right. almost, should we be more like ambassadors to the podcast world? Like we should be better friends with other podcasters? Well, I I uh, tour the country speaking to high schoolers. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh my god! I, I, I've actually been named ambassador and dignitary <laughs> of the podcast world. I'm a consulate, so that I feel like I go, I'm, I'm almost there. Do you have special license plates? That's exactly what I have. Yeah. Yeah. No tags. I don't have to renew that shit. That's great. But it, in what way do you mean? I don't know. In a nebulous like way. We like we should be reaching out to, um, to Toad other... Hop or something and be no. like, let us show you how we do it. No, 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 no. Not not at all like that. Not a presumptive. That's another that guy don't want to be. Yeah. Is the guy who's like. Here's how I do it, and here's how you should be doing it in anything in life, you know. Oh, I have to jot down a note about a certain kind of that guy okay. that I've d- realized really irks me. Go but ahead. no, it's it's more I'll reverse engineer it. I'll be listening to other podcasts and the other podcasters will be talking about other podcasters they hang out with. Yeah, well, now like, you're hitting on something. I'm like, why I don't they, do that? Why don't they invite us to their podcast or hangouts where they talk about point. how much that's they don't great, like us, that's a great right? Point. That's yeah. a, that's exactly right. But I don't do that. I don't I don't know if I should be doing that. All 99% of my friends are not in the industry. Mm-hmm. Those that are, 99% of those are BTL, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tease the Dave's a Thunder term. Below, Below the line. line. They're just not personalities. They're right. not, you know, on the air or on the way. I have one or two friends, one, who does stuff uh, on camera, two. Uh, but, but I, you know, and they're great friends, but I, that's just not... But I don't seek it out. Maybe that makes us better people because we don't seek those people out. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not settled on this at all. I wanted to throw it out there as a discussion point because should I don't we know. be star fucking other podcasters yeah, more? <laughs> it's a good question. Or letting them star fuck us? Yeah. Hey, I'm open for star fucking. <laughs> That's right. But only for star fucking. But we're but we're the number of. one podcast right now. So really, who do we want to let let us star fuck them? We should you know? accept applications. <laughs> Right. There's got to be a very serious vetting process. There seriously has So the, that guy mm-hmm. that I realized uh, is a pet peeve of mine is the person who reassures you about something when you're not worried about that thing um, and like speaks to you as if you're – Don't worry, Allison. We're going to get back to your point. Don't worry. Like that kind of well, that guy? Well, not exactly. Maybe this is um, – a very just me kind of thing, but the person who talks to you as if you're anxiety filled and freaking out about something when you're really not freaking out right. about it. And perhaps maybe the only way I can be because, because the problem with that, with that kind of scenario is that it makes me feel like you really don't know who I am and you're not reading me correctly. Right. And, Perhaps the only way I can illustrate that point is by just telling a recent story that involves going to the gynecologist oh. and all of my lady problems. So I'll just make that one fast. So Did anyway. Any other stations come in here? <laughs> <laughs> and then we can talk about you and your brain tumor. I'm not trying to be a one-upper. But if you I want also to. Wanna, I want, we have to hit. There's not much news on the brain tumor front. So, But for the people listening who don't even know what we're talking about and might think we're joking, 
What percentage of your audience? I'm curious, actually. I've not talked about this. What percentage of your audience do you think listens to the Adam Carolla show? That is a big question, and I don't actually know. We did a survey on the Film Vault to figure it out. And how many? It was like I think it was two thirds listened to the Adam Carolla. Show. I think ninety percent of the people learned about us from the Adam Carolla right. show. I think somewhere around two thirds listened. Kurt like listen regularly. I actually put that question to the listeners. Do you also listen? You to should the Adam do a survey. Show? We did a survey. There are three surveys out there. I'll just online. Gary, get on that. Yeah, absolutely. You create the survey. You do. You get the results and blah blah All right. blah. Get on the survey thing and free get surveys. on the finding us some podcasters to hang out with. <laughs> Please. Anyway. Uh, make that a question in the survey. Yeah. Are you a podcaster? Yes or no? Right. Would you like to would you like to approach them about hanging out socially? <laughs> approach them. Uh Sorry, dinner party perhaps? Yeah. yeah. Dinner, so yeah. So anyway, I have endometriosis and um I had surgery in December and I was put on the birth control pill, which I was on once years ago, and I hated it. Really? Yes, I hated it. What is your birth control method of choice? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Sponge. <laughs> yeah. Rhythm. No, condoms. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was – it's like this is – this is what you have to do if you have endometriosis to prevent the spread of it. Right. Now that we've, you know, cleaned it out. Right. And, you know fix it or whatever um and i and by the way my gynecologist has been trying to get me to go on it for years which i think all gynecologists do because they just feel like women who are sexually active should be on the pill right and it reduces the risk of a number of things i've heard heard, heard, heard drew's whole thing yes they really push that but i always resisted it because i didn't like being on it so anyway um i was on it for three or four months and i I tried three different ones because she kept saying, you know, there's different progestins in them and they can affect you differently. And I disliked all of them. It affected my mood. It affected my weight. It Mm -hmm. made me nauseous. I just couldn't stand it. That makes sense now in retrospect. So So, uh, I asked my my doctor if I could go off of it for a month because I just wanted to – Find out where where what's Your me. Baseline. Yes, yeah. exactly. So then I had I had an appointment with her, and I figured she would say, "Okay, well, you know, let's try you on this different one now." And it was going to start all over again. But after I explained everything, she said to me that my quality of life is more important, and that this isn't even a guarantee against the spread of endometriosis right. anyway, and it's not worth torturing me, and blah blah blah. And I was so surprised about that. First of all, I was like, wait a minute. This wasn't even a guarantee. Why the hell were they doing this anyway? No, but she was she hedging said, her bets. She said the way to look at it is like sunscreen. You can put on sunscreen every day and you can still get skin cancer on sure. your back. Which granted is really a strong argument for me being on it. Right. But for what – you know, I trust her and she feels comfortable with me not being on it. So hooray. <laughs> I'm back to just my regular old Hurrah. mood swings as opposed to drug-induced um, depression and uh, – yeah. All Pure, of that unfiltered junk. That's right, uncut. Woo! <laughs> I'm so sad. Uh, so anyway, though, but she was saying, um, she was like, you know, so so your job is to not interpret everything you feel. You know, if you feel pain or you feel this or that, is is to not start thinking like, oh no, it's spreading. And she was really trying to reassure me that it's okay for me to not be on it. And I was thinking, look, lady, you don't uh. have to really. Yes. Drive this point home. I'm not nervously wanting to be on this drug. Like I, I have one foot out the door. I'm so. But yeah. she, as 
she was treating me as if I'm someone who is very anxious about. I don't know. It just it. I just felt like she's not talking to me as me. It reminds me of at an old job, Channel One. Actually, my old boss uh, used to have this thing where she's like. She would hold up an imaginary sign that said sold. And every time someone was trying to like pitch her an idea, and she's like, yeah, great idea. And they're like, and we can do this. And we're like, yeah, no, it's a great idea. And then we'll do this. She's like, sold, sold. Keep move on. I'm already, mm-hmm. I'm already on board. It's like it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not worried. Keep, keep right. going. Let's move forward. Right, right. So tell us, mm-hmm. for people who don't know, you have a – is it a glioma? Holy shit. I mean, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. What? Uh, yes, it is a brainstem glioma located in the glio, glial cells. I think that's why they call it that. Mm-hmm. It's a brain tumor at the uh, my brainstem. Okay. Yes, an operable brain tumor. And when did you discover this? It, it was April, late April of 2009. Okay. And they had given you a pretty bleak prognosis, but you've been doing really well. Yes, right? I, I, it's, I, it's shrinking, right? Um, it, it 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 is. And for the last year or so, it's been at bay, like you know, the same size. But initially, after treatment, it shrunk about by half, which is a big, big deal. It doesn't always happen. In fact, it does it rarely happens. Um, so it was a, a big deal, and uh, they're keeping it uh, same size. Which you know, in this in this line of work, you know, a tie is a win. So um, the doctors are thrilled, and at this point. I judge a lot of how I feel based on how the doctor reacts because, you know, with a lack of hard evidence, like, oh, your tumor shrunk by blah, 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 or, oh, you're, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's all clinical evidence. It's all how I feel. And it's all how the doctor reacts. And he's like, oh, we're doing great. This is looking fantastic. I'm really happy with the results. You're really responding to the treatment well. I'm like, great. Sounds good. Thank you. The thing that always amazes me about you and this is that I don't think, I don't, really think of you as someone who is fighting cancer or someone with a brain tumor because you seem so okay with every you have such a good attitude about things mm-hmm. that uh I don't put you in some different category in my head meaning what was that category it's the category is this that from I your think own personal yeah i mean there it's I, I let me let me rephrase it. I don't think of you as sick. Okay, but you're not sick. But I guess it's maybe well, sick. Well, yeah, I certainly am. <laughs> maybe I would yeah. have. Let me let me try to help you here. Thank you. I, I'm just I feel in the place. same way. I've known other people who have had terminal illnesses before, or you know, cancers that I don't are. Have terminal illness I'm sorry, my, my mistake. I didn't mean to. <laughs> we all have a terminal illness of some mm-hmm. kind. But uh, I, I've known people with cancer before and who have had various prognosis, prognoses. But And when I first met you, I remember having a different perception of you than I have now. Now, it, I do not think of you as sick is probably the best way I can think of to say it, too. Hmm. It just doesn't enter into it. When I uh, am referring to you to friends of mine you know, who I work with, it would never occur to me to say – you know, to bring up your condition because it it doesn't enter into my daily interactions with you whatsoever. I don't notice, you know, I don't notice it and I don't think about it. It's not something that I'm conscious of, really. Yeah, sometimes on the Adam Carolla show, actually, Adam will make a comment and then he'll say to the guest, oh, he has a brain tumor, by the way. And I always wonder, does the guest think that it's a joke? Do you ever wonder about that? Um, Because it's said in such a a non-emotional way, which is because you right. seem so matter-of-fact yeah. and cool with it. I guess. You know, I, I, I can honestly say that I, I, I 
don't think about how I want it portrayed. I don't think about how I want it thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it just is, and I, I'll I express it or deal with it in a public way, just as I would deal with anything in a public way. It's kind of matter of fact. Better to joke about it than not. You know, it's it's it would be weird to try and keep it under wraps. Mm-hmm. It would be weird if people reacted weird around it. Like, like oh, you know, I don't want to talk about it. You know, like you know, right. making it throw a slashing motion every time it came up. So, and also, being very upfront and joke not jokey, but being lighthearted about it allows other people to act normal around you. You know what I mean? They're not walking on eggshells. Right. Or, uh, what, you know, they don't want to say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Uh, for, for, uh, to the perception that they might offend you, which would never happen with. Are you scared? Um, no. I mean, I have uh, brain cancer, and most likely I will die from brain cancer someday. Uh, I am upset about that fact, but will being upset about that fact increase my quality of life in any way or make my life any better? Absolutely not. Will living my life... As though I'm not sick, make my life better? Probably. Probably will make however many years I have, hopefully very many, it'll make however many years I have uh, either more enjoyable for myself, for my wife, for my family, for my friends. Uh, we're having a uh, Fourth of July barbecue. Uh, and I it, it just want to, you know, in as much as I would have been, as I felt when I was di- if I was diagnosed yesterday, I just want everything to be normal and have a good time and have people think about uh the fact that I'm sick, and hopefully, like Gary said, they don't think about that, and they just you know move forward. And uh, let's, if you spend, you being me or anyone's in my position, if you spend your um, your life one day at a time, sort of, uh, well, it's, you know, it could it could come down any day, or it could blah blah blah, or oh man, I sure I'm sad to be living with this condition. Next thing you know, your fear is down the road, and you look back and you're like, holy shit, I've had 600 straight days of fear or sadness or whatever it's like i could have been fucking going to italy you know what i mean or whatever it is you know i could have been living my life as a normal person and uh i don't ever want to get to the point where i'm looking back saying shit all that time i should have been because i feel like all that time i should have been is all the time i am doing whatever you know whatever that is Mm -hmm. have you always had this kind of attitude about it always had the kind of attitude about oh yeah uh, yeah I, i you know initially when the when my doctor my doctor when the doctor I was seeing for that very very short period of time came in and and and, and literally said to me you know in these cases I say you know six months to a year my first reaction was holy shit my second you know thought in my head was well that's not going to be me you know and and then maybe that's very um, survival instinct maybe that's very maybe I was fooling myself maybe I lied to myself but. I chose to think that way. Or no, I didn't choose to. I chose to uh, accept that way of thinking. It was the thought that came into my head. I'm like, I'm going to go with that. I mean, I, I'm i certainly not going to be gone in six months. Probably won't be gone in 12. And hopefully I'll be along for, uh, around for a lot longer than that. And I have been. And uh, absolutely no, you know, I, I look back and I'm glad I have lived the way I've lived and thought the way I've thought. And how does it affect your wife, Christy? Um, well, you'd have to ask her that, but I imagine, um, you know, it, it's very hard. You know, she was whatever she was, 28 years old and engaged and, uh, you know, life was uh, looking great on the horizon when, you know, her husband got, or fiance was diagnosed with cancer and not just diagnosed cancer, was told, you know, six months to a year. So I imagine it's difficult. Um, 
I know for a fact it's difficult sometimes, but, uh, you know, I, I try and be part of, you know, what I try and do in my everyday life is is help her a uh, reminder that, hey, things are pretty good right now. Things are probably pretty good tomorrow. And who knows after that? But, you know, let's let's uh, focus on the good times because we have some really, you know, we just bought a house, for example. Um, our, our life, all things considered, aside from, you know, the, 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 the black cloud of cancer uh, hovering over us, our life's pretty good. You know, our families are healthy and happy and our friends are happy and uh, we have a great group of friends and a great dog and all those things. So, why choose to look at the negative or why choose to let the negative uh, overwhelm all that? I think for some people it's just hard not to. Yes. It's, I, it's yeah. so great that you naturally don't mm-hmm. though. But um, I think I had the same – Paul Gumbarden brought the same point when I was on his Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast, which is he's like, God, some people just can't do that. And I'm like – I'm going to bring up a sports analogy again. Gary, when Ted, when Ted Williams was a Ted Williams, great baseball player, one of the all-time best hitters, when he was a batting instructor, he was a, pretty much an abject failure as a batting instructor because hitting came so naturally to him. He couldn't communicate to other people. He couldn't teach it to other people. So he couldn't say, this is how you hit like me. Cause yeah, I, think this, I, I feel like this has come up on this show before, and I've used the analogy of Wayne Gretzky coaching uh, the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, if you know how to do it that well, how do you teach it? Yeah, that's exa- I, I guess that's right, and I, it's just something that I do well, which is uh, embrace the positive mm-hmm. uh, just in my, in my in everyday life, not just in the face of negative things, but just there's few things you can control. Getting cancer is one of them. You certainly can't control that. All you control is your, your reaction to it. And my reaction, I, contro- I chose to uh, be upfront about it on the show and uh, – be as uh, accepting and forthright and all that stuff about it as I could. Do you find that people say stupid things to you all the time, some of which I may have said to you like eight minutes ago? What did you say to me eight minutes ago? Oh, I don't know. I just felt like my my beginning to try to ask you questions about it was very <laughs> very hemming and hawing, and I was like tr- deliberating over my no, very that's... unnatural. But I just wonder if someone who uh, is diagnosed with cancer, all of a sudden people say an array of retarded things. Interesting. I didn't notice an array of retarded things, but you know what I did notice was some of my friends definitely pulled back and were a little bit absent from my life compared to how they had been. Um, and my wife was upset about it. She's like, how come blah, 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 you know, when I talk to them anymore, they're, they're, they're avoiding us because just because you're sick. I'm like, uh, and I'm, this is just in my nature, I guess. I said, honey, you, you can't fault anyone for their natural reaction to anything. If someone's natural reaction is to back away or get scared or be awkward yeah, or not know what to do or be embarrassed or whatever it is, I can't really fault you for that. If you go out of your way to be a dick or be weird or be whatever, I'm certainly I'm gonna be a you know, I'm gonna bring that up. But if your natural reaction is to do whatever, it's hard for me to find fault with you unless do your you natural not, reaction is to stab somebody. In general, do you not put expectations on people? You might be no, the single do. healthiest human being <laughs> I've ever met. No, I absolutely do. I put a lot of expectations on people. But yes. you are understanding of but your I'm friend's understanding. reactions. Yeah. yeah, I'm understanding in, in an extreme circumstance like this, a good friend or a family member, whoever gets uh, diagnosed with a serious, serious illness, if your natural reaction, like your gut instinct or your knee-jerk reaction is to do something, it's hard to fault you. I certainly, you know, I'm not going to pursue, uh, you know, whatever, a friendship with you. If, if your thing is, I need some time or, you know, this is a little too intense for me, do what you got to do, man. You got to live with yourself, you know. If something happens to me, if I'm gone in six months, you're the one who has to live with yourself. It's going to be hell. Yeah. 
Hear that, shitty friends. <laughs> See, that's the chip on my shoulder that I always have. <laughs> well, I wonder. That's what drove me to get better. Is there a bit of a chip on your shoulder from having been bullied as a youngster? Yeah, maybe. What What was not the nature actively, of the though. bullying? Not actively, though. And also, I don't want to be that guy who – I think about this a lot. So, there's like a whole baseball team of guys you don't <laughs> want to be in your yes. head. Batting eighth, I don't want to be that guy who um, – <laughs> Who exaggerates how much they were bullied? Because you hear that a lot. It's like, oh, I was tortured. I was, blah, right. blah. I was harassed and I was teased. Teased really is more of it. And it was pretty relentless teasing for a good few years there. I, I, I moved in the fourth grade, and that's a tough time to move because mm-hmm. everyone's been friends from first to third grade or kindergarten to third grade. And I was the new kid. And on top of that, I was a little weird. I was smart and goofy and liked to make jokes that appealed only to adults. Kids <laughs> didn't get, yeah, they didn't get my jokes, man. But I, I shouted out in class and, you know, it was drew a lot of attention to myself. Self, which on top of being weird and goofy and you know all that stuff was a bad combination so i was teased relentlessly not bullied so much a little bit but were uh, you outcast mm, didn't have a lot of friends until high school but midway through high school is when i really felt found my groove and found a great group of friends and uh, still friends with those guys to this day chess club uh no they were drama all, geeks had def- poet society all false they were all athletes i was the one non-athlete of the group i was a newspaper you're their mascot i was a newspaper geek i i, I was the editor-in-chief of the paper and that was my thing i wanted to be the next great sports writer um but uh, they were all jocks but it was a guy's school so there wasn't the whole you've heard adam and i talk about it on the show a lot like the whole thing where the jocks are evil and they're beating up on the nerds, that did not exist in my school because I honestly believe, and this is a philosophical thing and we could talk about this if you want, but I don't think guys and girls should go to high school together. I, think I was just going to ask, what was that like going to an all-guys high school? I think school? they should interact socially. Like there should be, you know, there were, we had stuff set up with the local girls' schools and mm-hmm. it was fantastic, dances and mixers and all that. And like Eastland and Bates for Facts of Life fans out there. Oh, okay. I was just talking to myself. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I listen back, I'll appreciate that I threw that out for me. But I think a lot of bullying, a lot of bullying, the vast majority, is to impress the other sex, is is sort of a, you know in the wild, mean girls kind of thing, you know, oh, to impress the other sex. And then when you remove that element, uh, you don't. It, I just didn't see it. You just don't have the bullying. I think. I'm trying to think. Uh, girls can be vicious, and they bully in these sort of. Uh, power mind game kind of ways and i, I imagine do the, think i can only imagine the internet's made that worse oh well, yeah with texting and facebook and all that well the, yes i think it has and i think that whereas bullying was maybe or just being a total asshole was maybe a popular thing to do around seventh grade now i think because of the internet people are doing it into their 30s interesting maybe not in a bullying way I mean, and but because but because to me, bullying is suggests a kind of group dynamic, like a group turning on you or a lot of people, right. you know, leaning on you. But I think the individual asshole out there, because I think you know, we were actually talking about that on the Adam Carolla show that most guys who were assholes when they were younger just settle into being like a good guy as they get older. But mm. but I the internet makes you aware of those lone mature jerks. Sure, interesting. But they probably exist in the real world as well. I just don't come into contact. Yeah, I don't with them come into contact either. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess. So, in terms of dating, mm-hmm. how did that go? Oh, for it's you? a relationship podcast. Yeah, sometimes we talk about relationships. That did not happen until until college. Um, not at all. Oh no, not at all. You didn't even. There weren't even girls that struck your fancy when you'd go to oh, these sure. mixers. I had, I had crushes and whatnot, but. Right. Uh, Unrequited, <laughs> to be sure. But um, middle school was a particularly tough time because it was 
Uh, it was the the no girls. It was um, I was doing very poorly in school. Uh, I was a very bad student, and also the the no friends and the the relentless teasing. It was a perfect storm of bad bad times. Sad it was really awful. sad. But yeah. I did not. What did have you do fun. to get through it? Or was there anything that you could turn to? Dungeons oh, you know what? No, no, no. You know what? I, well, uh, baseball cards. I fucking collected baseball cards. I knew everything about baseball. And uh, honestly, I was I was in uh, little league. Probably in sixth through eighth grade, I think, and that was my social outlet. I had my best friend was in, on my little league team, and I was I was. <laughs> this sounds like a bizarre kind of bragging. I was a good little league player. No, I was I was a good little league player, and mm-hmm. that's that helps you socially. If you're if you're not the spaz on the field who's throwing the ball over the guy's head, if you're actually okay and competent and actually right. kind of good, that helps you socially. So that helped me a little bit. Um, the guys on my team I was friends with. Uh, and that was my social outlet was was my my team. So I dove into uh, sports, and uh, I wasn't particularly a great athlete, but I was good enough uh, to, to to be okay. So I sort of dove into that, and uh, those are my friends. Now, see, as you, and here's where I speak a little bit from personal uh, experience. As you got older, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you weren't facing bullying or being outcast or all those upsetting things. Mm-hmm. Did you not carry that with you a little bit, though? Because I had this belief, which I think was forged around seventh grade, which was like, oh, I'm icky and uncool. Get that drop, by the way. <laughs> um, no, I really I really didn't. I guess by the time— Did you just feel like it was sort of an error that you were being treated that way? I'm not suggesting that it wasn't. You know, but... now that I think about it, now it's funny. It's the first time I thought about this in years, but I'm thinking about specifically a couple of the kids who were shitty to me. If I saw those kids, I probably wouldn't be especially nice to them. You know what I mean? I probably wouldn't be like, no, hey, how you yeah. doing, man? Long time no see. You'd be like, oh, hey, what are you doing these days? You know well, I, mean? I think, you know, I talked about the, but not the, the show. That happened to me. The 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 queen of the um, shitty behavior, I ran into her recently, and she was super nice, and I found myself going back and forth between, well, first of all, she's like, oh, I always felt bad about the way that all went down. And I said, oh, she made in seventh grade. <laughs> like as if it's this thing <laughs> that I've never, back. like yeah. I barely even remember that. <laughs> um, I even went through the charade when in fact it was of painful. acting like I didn't know who she was. Nice. Well, because she said, excuse me, did you go to this school? And I said, I did. And then I, re- oh my God, this is that person. And then, but I, ma- I, I didn't say, oh, like I didn't go through recognizing her. I waited for her to say it just because I was like, this cannot be happening to me. And then, um, yeah, I kept going back and forth between I should have my guard up. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, I shouldn't. This is many years later. No, I should. I couldn't go back. I couldn't figure it out. And then we were talking about, well, someone who's an asshole at 12, you know, are they still an asshole now? And I don't. I don't know. I don't think they are. I don't really know, actually. In, okay, where was this? Because I was delightful. Where physically was this? Uh, it was in uh, West Side. Oh, really? It was West, in the West Side. Yeah, that's okay. right. Now, for those out of town, West LA to Orange County is not a world away, but it's forty minutes away. She's living in Orange County again, uh, okay, though. Okay, she told me. Here's my thing. Now that I think about it. And, and this ties into this point, which is I never – considering I went to school in Northern California, high school and, and all that, grew up there, and now I live in Los Angeles. Again, that's not a world away. That's an hour-long flight away. Yeah. I never see anyone around here from the old neighborhood. I never see anyone here from Northern California. I never run anyone to high school with or middle school. 
and maybe that's why I don't ever see the people that maybe would have been shitty that were shitty to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I got my personality, and I've never thought about this, and I think about it. I always had my eye on something else in the future, moving on, moving on to somewhere else. When I was in uh, middle school. My school I went to was a private school, and it was a few cities away, and you had to apply there and get accepted and do the whole interview thing. And for me, that was a big goal. I wanted to go there. I very much wanted to go there. And so I, w- I think I was always like, oh, man, once I get to the, that school, it'll be a lot better. And then when I was in high school, I was like very much excited to uh, go to some exciting journalism school. And you know, once I, I was like, man, when I just get to college, it'll be so cool. It'll be smart people everywhere. So I always had my eye on something uh, a little a little in the future, far above and beyond. What's interesting about that is that before you were talking so much about living in the moment, mm-hmm. and yet that is very much live, yeah. being excited for something right? in the future. Now, do you still do that looking no, to the future? No, I really – although I do get excited about – for example, um, I, I – recently signed with a, a manager who's sitting down in a lot of meetings and I get excited about the meetings because every meeting is potentially something. It's not, you know, if, if something was to come down the pike, like let's work on this thing, it would be less interesting to me or less exciting to me than, Ooh, this is something that could be something someday, you know? So I guess in my core of feelings that you can't control, I get excited by possibilities, by ideas and by notions and by the thing that could be something. That's like, so great. That's my, that's, you know, that's interesting. I never really thought about this, but do you ever play uh, blackjack? Uh, yes, I do. Do you sometimes. play blackjack? The most exciting thing for me in the world is getting dealt an ace in blackjack. Because when that next card's coming, that few seconds when that next card's going to come, it's like, this could be it. This could be the blackjack. <laughs> and then if two aces come down, oh boy, you get to split those aces. Now yeah. it could be two blackjacks. So that's interesting. I guess there's always that part of me that's like, that next thing. That could be a very exciting thing. It's something someone always looking forward to something. Is there not that voice in your head saying this is going to be nothing? And do you want me to come with you and say it? <laughs> no, I don't know why. Do you not get disappointed when then oh, you turn yeah. over a crappy very card? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've been crestfallen after many meetings in the past that I've set up on my own and they went nowhere and it's like oh that didn't yeah yeah because like, see I don't even get my hopes up for meetings because I've been through the whole. Um, this is probably just going to not going to lead to anything. Sure. But it's still good to know them. And I have to like, I still, I don't know. Eh, I know. So I think that's great that you get excited about meetings and that you see the opportunity. Cause that is that's the better way to be. That's, that's one example. The blackjack thing is another example. It's the possibility of something exciting happening. Yeah. Like when I got my single days, I feel like I got more excited about meeting a girl than I did about, you know, going on date number five. Yes. Yes. I think it's a universal emotion. I think that might be universal. I think that the beauty of meeting someone new before you really know them is that at that point, you just met the ideal person for you. And then mm-hmm. once you know them, you just realize, nah, they're not <laughs> that. Yeah, exactly. So then that becomes a question of how do you uh, instead experience a constantly deepening love for someone i think you have to get rid of the idea of this ideal something or other out there for you no why why would you get rid of that that's a great thing to have that there's an ideal someone no no no. i mean if you're actually in a relationship that like if you're married oh, let's say. oh okay so there's somebody better out there yeah. yeah ideally you want to end up with that person that you feel is just right which right. i feel like i've done and hopefully everyone hopefully everyone in the world finds that that'd be a great thing yeah, I get maybe you, maybe your sense of the ideal just becomes a little more realistic. I always um, 
never had an ideal in my mind because I feel like that's unreachable. Mm-hmm. But I had a, not a list. That sounds wrong. But like a notion of, boy, if I can find, I just find a girl who has these things, these things, these things. And what these were things. they? Um, what were they? Came from came from a good family. Um, a supportive family, ideally parents who are still together. Because I really do feel, I mean, I think it's just statistically proven if your parents get divorced, you're much more likely to, you know, get divorced yourself. And my parents are together and, and you know, as happy as you could reasonably expect people to be <laughs> after 25, no, 30, shit, four years of marriage. And uh, so hopefully a person comes from a stable family and a uh, supportive family and, um educated motivated and driven and uh you know all the all the things you know all those things that you're like oh hope she likes sports and i hope she you know puts up with my drinking or likes my friend no likes my friends is actually a serious one like gets along with my friends and christy's all those things uh so i found uh you know my, my search was over at a certain point i was like well she, she's everything i really realistically ever wanted you know i this is, this is fantastic how did you guys meet it's a very long story but the the medium version is we met um I was dating a girl who lived in Scottsdale, Arizona. She lived – Christy lived in Scottsdale, Arizona, unbeknownst to me. A mutual friend of ours uh, emailed me and said, hey, Brian, I know you're going out to Scottsdale for the USC-Arizona game, Arizona State game. Um, you mind if my friend Christy tags along with you? She just broke up with her boyfriend, and she has an extra ticket, and she wants to go to the game. and has no one to go with. And I'm like, yeah, of course, more the merrier. Come with me and my girlfriend and her family. Just hang out. We did. We hung out all weekend. It was a fun time. Went to the game. Went to the rally the night before. And uh, Christy came over at my girlfriend's, uh, my girlfriend's family's house, and we did dinner that night and everything. And then never talked again. Never had any interaction. I I'd completely forgot about her. Um, fast forward to a year later or even more, a year and a half later, Again, in Scottsdale, a different mutual friend was getting married and invited both of us to the wedding. We didn't know this. I had broken up with the girl. She was single also, so we're both single. And we meet at the rehearsal dinner, the out-of-town rehearsal dinner, and they were like, she's like, what do you do? I'm like, I work for the Adam Carolla Show. She goes, I know someone who works for the Adam Carolla Show. I'm like, really? Because there's like five of us, and three of them are named Mike. So who do you know? And she's like, no, not that guy, not that guy, not that guy. And she goes... Lindsay, to her friend, the person who had initially introduced us back a year ago, she's like, who do I know at the Adam Carolla show? She's like, Brian, you guys met a year ago here in Scottsdale. And we had met a year ago. Oh, my God. I can't believe I only forgot about that. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you must have really not made much of an impact on each other that yeah. you could be having this conversation and not remember that it's At that point, we remembered. At that point, we remembered. But uh, you're, you know what? I'd like to think it is, and my wife says when we tell the story to people, I was such a good boyfriend that I was – so smitten with my girlfriend at the time that I had no other girl in the world existed to me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's probably, pretty much what it was. But anyhow, um, we, we met. We uh, sat next to each other at the actual wedding and uh, started dating. We got back. So you lived in L.A. at this point. Mm-hmm. So we started dating and uh, the rest is history. And then how long between that and when you got engaged? Um, three and a half weeks. No, year and a half. <laughs> it was about a year and a half. About a year and a half. Until Did- we, we got engaged. And... Um, did you have any doubts along? Like, at what point did you realize, oh, this is the person for me? Relatively quickly. I mean, you know, a few months into it, I, you know, we were going steady and there hadn't been no problems. And uh, I – pretty quickly. I mean, it was just the kind of thing where it was self-evident. And it was like, why? I mean, this, this is going very well. And I can absolutely see us, you know, we moved in together and it went well and we did the whole thing and it went well and just never really, you know, no, there were never any red flags. There was mm-hmm. never like, boop, got to start, you know, thinking about, you know, my exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and for for her, uh, when did she realize, do you know? 
probably around the same time. It was uh, just, gosh, it was, it was, there was no dramatic moments either way. Like it wasn't like a, and that's when I realized it was just easy and natural. I think when we realized how easy it was, like, because we both had difficult relationships in the past and probably her more than me, but she had had, um, combative relationships and she's like yeah it was never like that with you it was just easy and we we had if we had a problem we talked it out or if we had a disagreement we discussed it you know as opposed to fighting and throwing things i was gonna ask do you ever fight we 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 argue a lot um but never fight fight no never gone to bed mad quote unquote Mm -hmm. yeah i I said but that's more me than her because it's just not not my personality to i don't engage anyone in fights just don't, don't there are not many things worth fighting about in in our everyday life, of course, you know, there's war and there's whatever, but there's not many things in everyday right. life worth fighting about. When you get upset about something, are you usually quickly forthcoming about it or do you hold it in or what do I'm you do? I'm pretty quickly forthcoming about it. And I, I try to – I in everything I do, I try to envision how it's going to be received by the other person. So if I had a problem with you or something you were doing on the show or something you had said to me or about me, which – I can't imagine I would if I did. <laughs> no, I can't I'd probably either. bring it up pretty quickly, like, but I'd bring it up in a very straightforward way. I'd probably be like, "Hey, Austin, um, that that thing you did, I wanted, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to tell you about something that that you probably didn't even notice, but made me feel kind of shitty, you know." And I'd probably try to make it as straightforward as possible. Yeah, because that's something. Because when you dress up, sorry, when you dress up your um, complaints or arguments or whatever with you know a lot of window dressing, like you give someone things to feel bad about or to attack or to whatever, like. Then you you know if you're high, if you um, if you have histrionics about it, then you you know freaked out and you have, and the other person's like I didn't freak out and they're starting they're missing your point they're missing yes. the whole point. No, that's true. Yeah, that's something in my own relationship now that I'm um, trying to figure out is what do you talk about and what do you hold in? And I don't mean oversharing. I mean yeah. if I have feelings because I. Here, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the person who has to tell him every single thing I felt about every single thing that happened. Like, to me, that is a nightmare person. The person right. who – because usually you're like, like, I give a shit, yes, lady. pick your battles. <laughs> you know? You're saying pick your yeah, battles. Yeah, and I don't even mean in a love relationship. I mean, like, I'm sure we've all had that friend and then gotten rid of that friend who's so fucking high maintenance yes. that has to tell you every single oh, thing. And it's like, God. oh, my God. And then you get rid of that friend <sighs> and I, I don't mean – no, I do mean no, get yeah, rid of that yeah, friend. And then you just realize, oh, my God, everything is so much yes, easier now. So I don't freed. walk around being told everything I've done that's wrong. Yep. Why did I put up with this for so long? It's not even being told everything you did that's wrong. It's hearing everything they have to say. That's All they ever do is complain or all they ever do is bitch or everything. There's some perceived slight or there's yes. some. Yes. I, I, uh, yes. I've like distanced myself from a handful of those friends. Yeah. Gary, unhealthy friendships. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I mean, every now and then you drop somebody who you've been carrying, and it's it's very freeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was beautiful. So anyway, in in my cut re- that out in my relationship, um, I don't want to be that person who asked who is like I know why you did or said this thing, but I just want you to know that I have this reaction because I dumped my ass if I did sure. was that. However, I'm finding that. When I hold something in, it creates distance versus when I just share it, whatever mm. it is, I always feel closer to him afterwards. He yeah. might not. Yeah. I'm just kidding. He yeah. actually – he is really good at hearing that stuff. Have you expressed that to him that like when – I understand 
that it's shitty of me to bring up a lot of this stuff or some of this stuff, but it makes me feel closer to you knowing that you've heard it. Yeah, we've talked about that. Good. I mean, we've talked about in that. In that case, you know, you got to do what you got to do and you got to find the sweet spot, but you also got to do what you got to do. You can't, right. you know, build up that. I don't know if the word is resentment or whatever, distance, whatever. You can't build that up inside yourself. Well, I think it's that when something happens that bothers me and I feel like if I tell him about this, though, it makes me look like someone who, you know, flies off the handle at little things or is too sensitive or whatever. And the truth is that he didn't actually do anything wrong. I wouldn't necessarily want his behavior to change. So I'm having this reaction, but I don't want him to see it. So I'm just going to pretend everything's okay. That's the thing that makes, that creates distance because all of a sudden I'm being phony. Right. And I'm really bad. I'm really bad at being phony <laughs> is the thing. So therefore I find that I, my hand is forced to just say whatever it is and then everything's fine. But I just, I do hope I get past that at a certain point. See, because like I was saying, he can hear all that stuff from me without it affecting him or hurting his feelings. Whereas I am probably, I'd probably, if the tables were turned, I couldn't do it. Because at a certain point I'd be like, every, like you're, like more, more you're making me feel shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. I would take it personally. Interesting. I, I, I wish I wouldn't. But well, I think I would. You're fortunate that you found a guy who, um, I don't want to say puts up with, but his understanding of your neuroses. I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah. the things that, you know, are particular about you. Um, so in that sense, you're lucky. But I'm sure there's a, there's a, there's, I'm sure he's not the only one of his kind out there. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's other guys who would, good listeners or whatever, understanding guys. Oh, yeah. No, it's good to know. If it doesn't work out with him, right. find another one. Ah. Just kidding. Um, all right. And now, and now, topic sombrero. It's the topic, topic sombrero. We asked for topics and you sent them in. It's the topic, topic sombrero. Now pick a topic and let's begin. It's the topic sombrero. I am hijacking the hat because I have my own topic that I put in and I'm pulling oh. out. And here it is. Okay, good, because I'm a fan of your show. Mm-hmm. I've listened to almost every episode. This is, this is usually my least favorite part of the show. I don't oh. always love... No, <laughs> but I'm saying it's still great. No, <laughs> but I, there are other uh, segments I love, and this one is hit and miss. Wow. <laughs> we'll be putting that into a later segment. <laughs> Thank you for your blunt honesty. I'm joking. That didn't sound funny. No, you laughed. Uncomfortably. <laughs> What's in the topic, Amber? I want to hear your topic. Okay. My topic is I have a problem with texting and driving, which is that yeah, I, do. I do it way too often. And um, Gary, in addition to other people, have really gotten on my case about it, you know, understandably, because it's – and even I think why – this is stupid that I do this. It's just that driving is so fucking boring mm-hmm. and texting is so int- – text, emails, right. tweets. Interacting. I'm surprised I don't blog – Blog from my car. <laughs> I mean, a microblog. But anyway, Live so blogging I dead blogging. We keep doing it from the car. It's very think about that. Salient the more point. you know, right? So, I decided for one day, I was not going to text and drive. I was okay. just going to take it a day at a time, like breaking any sort of addiction, which it really kind of is. Kind of is. By the way, I I feel like the fact that you say one day, it's like you you know climbed Everest. Yeah, conquered. Good job. Thank you. I did it. Climb your own mini Everest. I really did, though. For yeah, you know I know that like I, hundreds of people have climbed Everest. Yeah, like it's, it's not crazy. that big of a deal anymore. 
Right. It's not that big of a deal that I didn't go for one day. No, for not me. that. No, no. I'm specifically know, to Everest. Because I, yeah. I was like, you climb on Everest. Yeah, hundreds of people have done that. Do you think we need to um, up, update the yes, analogy? Yes, whatever the so, next mountain is, K2 or someplace in Argentina, I'd like to okay. I'd like to be the next. Submit that. Yeah, will do. To the it's just me or everyone. Who are in charge of language. <laughs> anyway, yep. so I made this rule, and then I was like, I'm not going to break my streak. I'm going to continue to not text and drive, although I bent the rules a little bit, and I made a rule that with myself that I'm not going to text and drive. I might look at my – I might look at Twitter, and I might look at emails, but I'm not going to actually send any. You're chipping. Maybe. Huh. Now – the other, but but at least I adhered to. I'm not going to actually do any texting Send on my. Any, yes. Yeah, exactly. Next thing you know, it's retweeting. Let's hit the retweet button. No, that goes against the rule. Okay. I no, there's no button pushing. I'm okay. only a passive viewer right. of the screen. Which now that I say it, I realize how stupid that sounds. <laughs> the other day, though, I was driving down to Orange County, and I wanted to give my parents a heads up that I was on my way, and. So I was about to send my mom an email that just said on way. And then I realized I can't do this because I've made a promise to myself mm-hmm. and to Gary that I won't do this. So I guess either I turn back around and, you know, park and then I, I, mean, I could just pull it off the side of the road. Yes. I, I'm just kidding. I never considered stopping my car. So either I actually call her, which is going to involve a lot more effort because I, because there's more things you have to push and find and shit on your phone if you call than just send that email. Plus, you hate the phone. And I hate the phone. Exactly. I hate the phone. It's going to take more work to call, but it will allow me to maintain my no text and drive sobriety. But, and this is something that people might not be able to relate to. If I call her, I'm going to most likely feel agitated afterwards. Oh. Because, um, and I, sorry, my parents listen to this. This is specific Hi, you to, guys. Your, to your mother. Yeah. Well, specific to calling my parents. Right. And I don't really know why that is, but I just generally, a quick conversation with my mom will leave me feeling like this. Ugh! Just, just a little agitated and a little frustrated. <laughs> <sighs> For those of you at home, <laughs> Allison just contorted herself. She looks like she's being tased. Yes. Yes. It's yes. a little bit of emotional tasing. <laughs> so I was emotionally tased today. Hence, hence the ease of just email. And Texting. so I've sort of, you know, I, I'm aware that I have that reaction often. So I think I'm not going to do that, you know, if I don't have to. Uh, I don't mind having a long conversation, but just the short, quick conversation, like I said, just so, um, so here's the thing. Do I sacrifice my peace of mind and do this thing, which actually is going to involve more pressing buttons on my phone or do I just say, fuck it and just write on way Gary would like to weigh in. (laughs) It's very theatrical flourish. Wow. I'm I'm like really upset by this topic. Wow. First of all. The answer is option three, which you said uh, – I thought you were joking. I never considered pulling over. I never considered stopping my car. Like, it sounds like you were close enough to a parking lot that you weren't on the 405. Pull the fuck I over. I was on the 101, actually. Well, pull over and text her. Yeah. Is it that important that you even let her know you're on your way? Yeah, that too. I don't know why I felt compelled to. I often throw my mind back to the days before cell phones and, like, this would not – 
warrants an emergency call. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. Neither here nor there, whether they know my way or not. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the circumstances that led to me feeling the need to let them know as opposed to just like, hey, it's me. I'm here. Um, and I can't remember what they are. Still breathing. That's a good, that's a good text. <laughs> yeah. But if it was like still breathe, oh, then it would be yeah, a sad that's a bad text. text. So you guys don't have this tased reaction to phones and parents? I don't text on the Oh, no, not really. Uh, no, I love talking to my parents, especially my mother. Oh, She's sweet. listening right now. No, I 100% agree with you. Oh, thank you. I talk to my parents on the phone all the time, and I like uh, I have no problem with long conversations with them because there's usually a point, but the very short, yeah, no. I, I would, I have the exact same reaction, and I wouldn't make that call either, but... Uh, yeah, but I don't understand. I don't understand your your obsession with texting and driving. I, I don't. I don't have an aversion to the phone either. So I, I I don't so much look forward to phone calls, but like if someone calls, they generally someone I want to talk to. So so everyone else in the world just doesn't text no. and drive. Well, no, 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 no. You're not alone. Christy texts and drives. It drives me nuts. And now, why does she's she also say? A talker on the phone. What does she say about why she does it? I only do, I only do it at red lights. She also drives with Charlie on her lap, our dog, and that drives me nuts, too. Where should he be? He should be on the seat next to her or on the ground. We have yeah. nice uh, whatever uh, carpet or whatever it's called, uh, fabric or fe- – what is the word for Upholstery. The, upho- upholstered floors. You know, it's not like the floors oh, right. in the truck. You know, the Charlie will be comfortable down there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, she's breaking all sorts of driving rules. I know. I don't like this at all. I want. I want to not. Well, I I didn't do it. I made the call, so I've stuck with my not texting and driving thing. Here's a related. But back to me. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, I was, a related. Just me or everyone. Yeah. To what you were saying is, I often. No, this is topics I'm bringing up. Segment it, you don't like. <laughs> yeah, I'd like it less. If 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 Christie's, um, if I know she's on her way home or should be home. Uh, or is coming home, but it's taking an awful long time, and I can't get her on the phone or whatever, or I haven't heard from her. I will, I will often think the worst, like, ah, oh, fuck, she's been in an accident, or oh, something happened. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And that's that's irrational. That is not normal. Not not a lot of people get in debilitating accidents. That's where my mind goes. I actually have started doing that lately, thinking mm. the worst if I haven't heard and from it's someone for a little specifically while. Specifically related to, to, to you know driving home and, and yeah. phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I had to stop myself, and I had to think, you know, for 38 years— <laughs> I've not had this he, catastrophic— <laughs> No, no, for, no, for 38 year, years, he's been, you know, living on this earth fine right. without me, sure, and sure. he knows how to drive, yeah. and he hasn't been driving for that long right. unless he started very young. It's be illegal, yeah. Well, unless live on a but, farm. Yeah. So he doesn't really need my monitoring like this. Sure. All right. It's good you realize that. Yeah, I have moments of clarity, but then right. it doesn't really do much. <laughs> you're, you're, you're you know, I, I throw them, I, wash over right, them. I think that's not helping. Sure. Healthy thought. I banish thee. Yeah. I speak biblically to my thoughts. <laughs> right. I do uh, want to give you a little credit, though. Thank you. I'm glad you're trying. Thank you, Gary. Baby steps. Good. Baby steps. I've been good. very good, Keep very good, very good about not seeking out negative comments. I haven't that. visited the message boards in... in I don't know. I'm not counting days, but it's been a long time. When and you say I, message boards, do you mean message boards or the comments section on our website? Message boards. Okay. Comment section, I still occasionally look at. I read those because I like, just like to take the temperature of, what's, of what people react to on our show. Yeah. So, I just like to see what's going on. But more on the comments in a later segment. Let's do just me or everyone now. Ooh. 
like this segment love it oh thank you it's my favorites all right we're gonna need to see those on the screen oh that's right people write in with these that's right okay cosmo demonic says how do you finish dressing sock shoe sock shoe or sock sock shoe shoe are you sure i go sock sock shoe shoe i i I can't imagine sock shoe sock shoe I, i i i i do both but i think more often than i do sock shoe sock shoe you do yeah, I don't know why. I, I do both, though. I mean, I'm not exclusively one or the other. But I'm definitely an exclusively pant leg guy. Like, you don't realize it until you're like, I always put my pant leg on left, right, or right, whatever your thing right. is, right, left. I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine going the other way. Yeah. I always, you fall over. I do. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be good. I do sock, sock, shoe, shoe, because I, I will put on my socks and then walk around a lot. Oh, interesting. You know, I'll hang out in my socks, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll... I'll put my shoes on as I'm leaving the house. Interesting. I will – maybe that's because I'm the opposite. I will wait till I'm leaving the house to put on socks and shoes. Oh. Like I'm slippers or flip-flops around the house. Interesting. Gary? Uh, if those are the only two options, it's definitely – What so- other options could there be? No, no, listen. If I'm you go shoe socks, I'm about to weird. explain. <laughs> if those are the only two options, then, that's, then it's sock, sock, shoe, shoe. But I oftentimes will put on socks and then, you know – underwear and just walk around like that for quite a while and then yeah. put on pants so like there's a it's it's not like i get completely dressed and then put on socks and shoes as the last two steps is my point right is there a less sexy look allison for a guy than I'm not fucking than, hanging out where people can see me though no, 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 i'm just saying no apropos to to what you maybe think of is there a less sexy look for a guy than just socks otherwise naked oh my god i feel like magic right. mike would look bad for, uh, oh. doing that that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Because I, I mean, thought you were going to say like, then just socks and underwear. So did I. But you're right. That's It's not disturbing. good. Ugh. It's not good. I feel like socks and shoes and oh, naked yes. would be, is actually better. No, no, no I don't think so. It's a worse? Okay. Entirely naked, just socks and shoes, that's bad. Because <laughs> that's – I got to be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I've, I've lost all sense of reality at this point. I feel like that's funny though. That could be funny. Yeah, that's okay. more comical. DPN010 says, always change the radio station when the 1877 Cars for Kids ad comes on. And Fuck now I no. chose this one specifically for Brian. Yeah, you did. Because he likes this jingle. Likes. Loves. Okay. <laughs> Loves this jingle. I personally always change it because I can't, because it gets stuck in my head and I can't stand it. And in fact, I'm sacrificing not having it in my head in order to discuss this with Brian because now the fucking thing is in my head. Can um, we hear it? I like to hear it. Oh, do we have it? Yes. Let's but but then it's like we're sponsoring them. Wrong we're letting it. them sponsor us Wrong. or something. Okay. If you want to give me a second, I can pull it up. No, I don't. Unfortunately, no. I know to. you're right. I'm sorry. I'll have to wait. I forgot. I I said to Gary, if you play that. One eight seven seven cars for kids. That was I only I only like that slightly better than the the, the original free credit free credit report song. F R E E does that free credit report. Oh my god! Oh my god! You're a sadist. <laughs> Got to buy a new car. Oh, stop! Which no one for me? No a no 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 no! Oh damn it! I just took off my headphones as if that would silence you in the room, oh, so and good. you're sitting a foot so away good. from me. Anyhow, I will okay. not touch you. Can I do a just me, everyone? Yeah, please. Do you do them? You you don't do them on the show anymore. I, sometimes I run out of you them. Run out of yeah, I've but got, I do do. I've do, got a couple. Please share. Um, 
is it just me or everyone when I park in a parking lot or anywhere, when I park and I'm going somewhere to a restaurant, to a grocery store, wherever, I park and I'm walking to the store and I pass another empty spot that's closer, I immediately regret where I parked. And I was like, I'm like, I want to go get my car and park in this closer spot. 100% agree. I don't do that. Like it's a guy thing. I don't do that in a parking lot. Because I will say to Christy, half jokingly, lie down in that spot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that in a parking lot. But if I'm going, if I have to parallel park, like to go to a a friend's house or Mm -hmm, something, mm -hmm. and it's far away, and then if I get close and there's a parking spot closer, then I will definitely want to repark. I don't always do it, but yeah. yeah. Let's get another from a listener. All right. Uh, Let's see. Barney Q, I have dreams, nightmares about not having enough credits to graduate high yes! school. I graduated 13 years ago. 100% yes. yes. Other yeah. than it meets college. But yes. Is it the credits thing, though? Well, it, it's – it's. I forgot – there's some clerical error. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to sign up for this class or I forgot to officially drop this class or whatever it is. It's some last-minute error that's preventing uh, during finals or something. Or I'm not making it to a final and if I don't take yes. the final, I'm going to – Yes, that's what I have. I have the thing where all of a sudden – in an hour in Dreamtime, I have a test in Portuguese yeah. that I have to take, and well, it's I took a final. French. Yeah, and in the but in the dream, sometimes the weird thing is that I'm me now, but I'm back in school. But it's like this weird, like, but I haven't been in school in you know so many years. What is all of a sudden? It's mm-hmm. like this. It's not like I'm back in school again. It's that time has folded in on itself or yes. something. So anyway, I think those kind of dreams are very common anxiety dreams. Gary, do you have those? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mine, uh, mine definitely is college also. And it was, uh, you know, my, my one that it doesn't happen so much anymore, but for a long time it was that, uh, I was like two and a half months into the a semester and I hadn't realized I'd been registered for the class the whole time and there was no way to drop it. And I had no idea what the topic even was. Ugh. Yeah. I have a personal just mirror everyone. Okay, sure. Uh, this isn't something that I get in retrospect. I guess I've done it before. I'm not sure I do it all the time. But when, when I was getting out of my car today uh, here at the shop, I left the windows down, just, you know, a crack just so it would stay cool. And I got out and I realized that the front and the back windows were off by like a half inch. <laughs> and I got back in, turned on the car and adjusted it. So oh, that there that's would be just a- you. I noticed your open windows, though. And then I noticed that Jeff had his windows cracked a tiny bit. I do and then also. I thought. Well, see, that made me think, am I the only person who's not cracking my windows at this time of year? Is this a thing that everyone knows to do? I'm only comfortable I'm, I'm only comfortable doing it in certain places. Most of the places right. near where I live. This would not be one that I would be comfortable doing it in. In the parking lot where yeah. I'm parked so close to the door, I'm okay right. with it. Like if I was parked right by the gate, I, I don't think I'd do it. Yeah. I have one which more. Which is irrational. Okay. I have another one that's, I think, just you or me. So it's just, is it just me or is it us? Okay. <laughs> Not everyone. Just me or us. <laughs> when I know that I'm going to be a guest on someone's podcast, when someone's asked me to be a guest on the podcast, no matter how big or small, um, and if I have enough time, I will do an inordinate amount of research on the podcast. Like, I'll listen to a few episodes. That is not just you. I don't always do it, but I feel like I should. Oh, okay. Well, I actually do it. I listen to episodes if I can, if I have enough time, because I want to know what's right, what, what they're all into. about. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah, I listened to several of Fondelier's the first time he asked me to be on his show. Matt Fondelier's podcast? That's what I heard. Yeah, I did it. Never listened to it. <laughs> but I do feel like I should. Or, yeah, if I'm going to be interviewed, I feel like I should do that. I, I uh... Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So that's how you formed your 
um, unplight opinions about Topic Sombrero. <laughs> this oh, is going to be a thing. <laughs> I know, that didn't come out as funny as I wanted it to be. Oh. In my mind, it was funnier. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll let's the, the clown one is one I agree with. Yeah. Okay. Trigger Clown says, pretend to not notice someone I know but do not want to talk to in public but remain very aware of where that person is. This happens to me at grocery stores. Yes. And then I have to reroute the order in which I'm yep. going to shop. And then, yeah, I'm keenly aware of, like, they're in pasta. Yep. I've been in a specific situation with usually former coworkers. You know what I mean? People are just like, I don't want I don't care what they're up to. I don't want them to know what I'm up to. They have fewer Twitter followers than I do. <laughs> they probably do. I'll do a quick search. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not channel one coworkers. Those people are great. But uh, other coworkers, usually radio radio scum uh, who I don't want to encounter, and I just Big like Big Tad in the frozen food aisle. I would seek out Big Tad. Actually, I like that <laughs> fucking guy. But uh, yeah, the Jack Silvers of the world, I, I would avoid actively, and it would would know where they are. Like a shark, you want to know where the fin is yeah. at all times. Like I yeah. fucking know where that shark yeah. is. And then there's that dread as you're coming around to a new aisle. But if you were to run into Jack Silver, what would that sound like? Oh, <laughs> I can't even do the. Th- he was so unenthusiastic about my career and my role on the radio that he'd be surprised I was still in broadcasting. Do you feel like you're still in broadcasting? Yeah, that's, that's a him? chip on my shoulder I keep, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, what did you say? Do I feel like Do you what? feel like you're still in broadcasting despite him? Like, did he try to hold you down or anything? Or This, all, this, is, this is the time pre-Allison, which is dead to me. <laughs> but you Pre-history. Got, yeah, exactly. You guys have a lot of stories about this time, and I know that uh, he had a role in the radio show, which was ruining it. Sure, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. did he try to get you off of the show, though, or he just wasn't? Enthi- no, wasn't he never. A fan? Act- he, he was. He was successful in getting some people off the show, right. like Damashek. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he he tolerated me probably because I was cheap. Um, but uh, was 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 enth- made no bones about not being a fan. Yeah, that was was very vocal about it. Um, I said to Adam and Lynch, and I hope we do this. We need to do a revisiting 2006 episode of the podcast because there's so many stories that come up that you're probably like, "Oh, what's that all about?" Or, "Oh, tell me more." Who's Brusca or whatever? You right. Know. There, there's so many stories and so many characters that I think a we should giant footnote. <laughs> I feel like we should uh, address some of the funnier stories. Yeah. Anyhow, do you avoid people in grocery stores or other places? Uh, it. Tends to happen on the peninsula sometimes. I where Allison and I grew up in Newport. There's a cluster of bars where basically now it's just like a high school reunion. Any Saturday night, I want to. Yeah. And uh, I really don't like going down there, but I have friends down there. Sometimes I do, and uh, I yeah. So I spend the night scanning the room. I find you know someone who I make sure I do not want to see, and I just kind of. Keep, I'm luckily tall enough to be able to keep my head on a swivel and make sure that I can I can avoid them. So is that a wealth? That's a wealthy part of town, right? Like the part peninsula? of the peninsula, the uh, Newport Beach, the yes, peninsula, yes. Newport Beach is, but the peninsula there's there's parts of it that are kind of shady. The answer to Maybe his, it's wealthy, the answer to his but... question is yes, though, because the people okay. I'm avoiding and the bars that we're all at is all you know yeah. the kids that went to our high school snobby. Christie's but... parents live on Balboa Island. Oh yeah, I love Balboa Island. <laughs> But it's delightful. Is, it's fucking pleasant. It's, it's pleasant. Yeah. Well, so the peninsula. No, it's is, more the Truman Show. Actually, the peninsula. Is. You've been to the peninsula, right? Then it's where if you no, if you're at Baboa Island and you take the ferry over, 
Oh, I never took the ferry. The fun- you haven't? No. Oh, definitely do that sometime, Someday just to say you did. Yeah. Um, yeah, you take the ferry over, and there's like the fun zone, and then that's part of the peninsula. So here's the thing, though. It is a nice area, but there's a surprise. And maybe it's the surfer element. I don't know. But there's a su- – no offense, surfers. Surprising no, go ahead, amount of just sketchy, druggy, kind sure. of petty, like, crime and shit. Like, wouldn't you say? It's yeah, weirdly violent. There's, there's a lot of, you know, massive houses with, like, nine dudes living in it who don't know each other really. And, and yeah. everyone's paying some weird rent and they move from – like, my friend lives in a house with five bedrooms or whatever. And I would say he gets a new roommate six times a year. You know, with different it's people like, cycling it's, it's in and like out. It's like the real weird. world houses everywhere. Sure. Exactly. Are we going right. to tell people to fuck themselves? Yes, we are. At some point, I mean? No, yeah, we are. Let okay. me see. Um, I think that we should just do that now. Thank oh. you, Brian. That's a transition. Yeah, I know. That was very good. <laughs> hey, 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 go fuck yourself. So for me... Uh, it's been a little more difficult to find people to tell to go fuck themselves really? because I haven't. Oh, you do it a lot though. You do it every week. Yeah. Well, be- because I haven't been seeking out, you know, I've made this rule that I'm trying to not seek out the negative stuff. Oh. So, you know, a fair amount still comes at me though. Um, but in general, I don't walk around feeling as agitated and, uh, with all the negativity in my head anymore. So that's good. But here's a delightful comment, which is um, from YouTube. And when I mentioned to Gary that I had this comment from YouTube, he was like, do you want to do it? I don't remember what I said. You said, ugh, reading YouTube comments because that's what you should be doing. Well, I just feel like. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Passive aggressive. No, but it was uh, a fair point. It's a, I, I'm 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 disgusted for her own personal mental health i'm just i'm scraping the bottom of the barrel of the hate with my youtube because youtube we've had ricky lindholm on twice and she has said both times that youtube is the worst place for comments of anywhere on the internet she's seen the meanest stuff about her on youtube well i think this comment will prove them wrong Fuck! I miss Teresa Strasser. This dis- <laughs> this disgusting Get that Jew. Drop. This Get that disgust- This disgusting Jew bitch with a penis for a nose is horrible and needs to die in a fire. Her boyfriend needs to be impaled by n-word dicks for fucking this skank. Does it say n-word? Or does it say does no? It says the word. Yeah. What word is it? Um, it's uh, new. Okay. By new dicks for fucking this skank. Footnote. Right. Footnote. I think you can say the n-word when you're quoting someone. When can I? Don't. You may feel uncomfortable. I yeah, I, I feel, feel uncomfortable. Like don't, but I think you can. I feel like one can. I wondered about that one earlier. Can, I believe. I just don't think I'm going to. Like, if, like I quoted a movie on uh, a movie line on the film vault, and I said the N word because I was quoting the line. Yeah, this kike isn't going to. I go. can say that because you, you know, because yeah, sure. I am a disgusting Jew bitch with a penis for a nose. It's horrible and needs to die in a fire. Her <laughs> boyfriend needs to be impaled, impaled. by N word <laughs> dicks for fucking this skank. R.I.P. Adam Carolla show. It was good before Allison got there. So to this delightful gent, I, don't know I being say that different that it <laughs> should bury us. And by the way, there was also one that was in all caps, which is like this foul mouth skank vagina Jew bitch thing. It was like it was like what Lisa Lampanelli would yell as the life was being squeezed out of her throat or sure, something, sure. you know. Um, so to to him, I say, hey, 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 go fuck yourself. But I also say. Hey, you miserable motherfucker, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Sometimes I like to say it too. Good, do good you have for you. one? I have, well, in true Film Vault fashion, we do a top five every week. I have five. And oh my themes. gosh. 
But uh, should I do them all? Or should we alternate? Do you have five? I uh, no, I just had that okay, one. Okay, okay. I By shot way, my wad just I love, right there. No, no, that's good. I love what you do. You're doing a version of what I do, which is I retweet any negative comment that comes my way. Not a lot, but I I will sometimes solicit them because I like to retweet the more creative ones like that one. Yeah. That guy wasn't trying to be funny. He was being an asshole. Yeah. Um, but I like that you're this is you taking ownership of that's that. Right, it's like I it's am. like, ah, that's your negative comment. It's this is me one upping you. Me, yeah. You're one upping him. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thank you. Okay, you'll appreciate these. These top five um is a top five to go fuck yourselves. They are people or more more accurately corporations or types of people who had it too good for too long uh, and now the internet is destroying them. And they ironically want us to, we're supposed to feel bad for these people, but in fact they had a good run. Their time came and it, and it went and now it's time for them to get their, their comeuppance. Mm. And uh, we should not feel bad for these people because they were horrible people and now they're, they're dying. Uh, number five, florists. We should, oh, we yeah. Should, we should, Fuck those fuckers. Fuck those guys. With the, yeah. With their with, price gouging. That's right. Adam will often allude to how, you know, back in the day, a dozen roses cost 100 bucks. Yeah. That's true, by the way. If you wanted to get 100 roses all done up, it was going to cost you three figures. Right. And as a guy who dated all throughout, like, had a girlfriend all throughout college and stuff, it's a lot of fucking dozen roses. And right. I, Big I did not Flora avoid. fucked you. Big Flora fucked me. And now, 18 roses cost you 19.99. You get a, a discount if you use the code Adam, you know, if you're getting it through Pro, Pro Flowers or 100 Flowers. And I don't like the direction this is going. Why? Because you're giving ads. Oh, I'm well, just kidding. No, okay. go ahead. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't actually giving an ad. But anyone who's been to the Flower Mart in downtown LA and Santee Alley knows that flowers ain't that expensive. And the price gouging from uh, from the the, fl- the florist, the corner florist, who would charge you three figures for their uh, dozen roses. I don't feel bad for you now. You're all going away. Okay, tell what, them. Get, tell them what you want to say. Go. Hey, hey, hey! Go fuck yourself. Sorry, I'll, I'll keep it shorter. Number okay. four, travel agents. Yeah. Glorified middlemen. Mm -hmm. Someone who made a very simple process seem incredibly difficult. Like sort of like, uh, you know, gatekeepers who would never let you in. Like, you you need a travel agent. You're going to fly somewhere. Travel bouncers. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah. The velvet rope was always hinged. It was never unhinged. I feel like. Your name was never on the clipboard. I feel like it'd be better. I think you should tell them personally because it's good to just get it out. (laughs) Hey, travel agents. Go fuck yourselves. That's right. Next. Oh. I want to hear the jingle. Okay. Fuck yourself. Next, chain bookstores. Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Borders. Who, yeah. Squashed all the little guys. B. Dalton. Just squeezed them out. Walden and, uh, Books. They squeezed all the little guys where books were loved. And the employees knew books and loved books and could recommend books for you. Hudson News. They sterilized the book buying process. And when Amazon came around and started to crush them, we're supposed to feel bad for all the Barnes & Nobles that are going away? Fuck yeah. you. That's right. Yeah. You've Got Mail was... Uh... Yeah, you got an eviction notice. <laughs> Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Here's one that probably hits home for you. The art, the Recording Industry Association of America, or DVD, home entertainment, CDs, everyone who, who, who was charging us $18 for a CD back in the day, or $30 for a DVD back in the day, and rapidly changing formats meant like you had to yeah. like rebuy all your favorite right. albums, yes. or all your favorite movies, and uh, I always thought there should be a thing where if you owned a movie, like on VHS, or you owned... You bought the movie on DVD, but it was a bare bones DVD, and then it came out with like the, the, the collector's edition with the director's commentary with all the extras. You should be able to get a rebate for that shit. You should send in your old shitty DVD. Hey, I'm a fan <laughs> of this movie. I love right. this movie. I bought it when it first came out. You should be able to upgrade. Now you want me to double down? Fuck you. Give me ten bucks off this one. Yeah. 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 The reaction, by the way. Sorry, buddy. The reaction to the technology changing with the lawsuits and everything, that was just shameful. The suing the little kids and the moms who downloaded right. the stuff illegally. I know. That's just shameful. And it's a, it, it makes me feel That's good about bullying. Makes me feel good about saying 
Well, thank you for. Sh- oh. I have one more. Oh, oh my god! Really quickly, Blo- okay. blockbuster, blockbuster Hollywood video. Uh, it's uh, th- again squashed all the little guys, shoved them out of the market. The, all, all the video stores, the independent stores, were the mom and pop places where the employees knew movies, loved movies, talked to you about movies. Uh, they marginalized independent filmmakers. There was only room on the shelves for the big, big studios. They used their immense power to have films re-edited, like to like meet their standards, their Puritan yeah. standards, and the late fees. Fuck them and their late fees. Uh, Netflix yeah, and is here and they're crushing you. That says, "Be kind, rewind." No, I'm not going to be kind. I'm going to say. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Thank you. That was like one of the most polished <laughs> and prepared. I made a list. The most. I made a I list. I know. That was, that was very good. Thank you very much, Bald Brian yeah. Bishop. Ooh, I got it right this time. Yeah. I got it right. All the R's right. in the right place. I have to say, every single time I've said your name ever, I've gotten it right. Right. I, dis- I shared the getting it wrong with my listeners for the very first time, and that was a special moment that we won't be forgetting very soon. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs> That's a callback. I know. I know. That was very – that was good. Uh, that And that actually was the subject of a Hey, Go Fuck Yourself a few episodes ago. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and for talking about everything. Let us – where can we find you? Uh, BrianBishop.com or Twitter me at, at Bald Brian. I'm, I'm, I'm very easy to find. Just Google anything okay. you want to find out about me. All righty. Anything uh, that coming up that we should know? <sighs> How long can I draw this out? No, there's nothing coming up. I'll announce it on the show. If you're listening to the Adam Corolla show, anything big that happens, I'll let you know. Okay. And hopefully I can come back here and promote whatever I have coming out in the future. It's doubtful, but nah, maybe. Fuck. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Let's live in the moment, Brian. Okay, like this is that. a great show. Yeah, this, this is still a great show. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as usual, you can email the show at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F at AdamCrowell.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And I think Brian has something to add. There is something coming up. And I haven't brought it up on the Crowell show, but I will. But this is a, a, an exclusive. Know, close to an exclusive. My I'm, butt just clenched. I get so excited. <laughs> it's not that exciting. Oh, it's uh, For those in the Southern California area, I've been asked to uh, be the chairman for the uh, National Brain Tumor Society LA Ooh. Brain Tumor Walk. And it's coming up in a few months. It's in October. I'll, I'll talk more about it as it gets closer but uh it'd be great if you guys signed up and walked with me and came out and would have a beer together and uh we'll walk it'll be fun support the brain tumor cause where do they go to sign up um i will have a link on my site okay. at some point on brianbishop.com but i will i will be talking more about it just google national nbts uh la walk and i want to say that when i ooed a second ago <laughs> it sounded super insincere sounded very but i didn't intend it to sound that way huh? it just came out that way okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. But that is actually very cool. Thank you. And you and I are new pod- podcast dignitaries and uh, ambassadors, you know, any day now. Yeah, come hang out with us. Right, come hang out <laughs> with us. If you're a fellow famous podcaster, it's maybe. Submit application to Gary. Exactly. Right. It's there. There is a vetting process. And do a survey, for God's sake, for the show. Okay. I will. So All right. Know your listeners. I love you guys. And uh, I'll be talking to you next week. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen Show. Allison Rosen is your new best friend.